Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 36. And we just had a football team completely embarrass us this last Saturday, but we have a different football team here in Seattle too, that we can talk about. And maybe this will make us feel a little bit better about football season, at least in these early, early game season or early, early games in this season. Um, Sam, welcome in. How are you? I'm good. I'm still recover recovering from this past weekend, but again, to your point, hopefully the Hawks can, you know, not pick up where the dogs left off and give us some exciting football to watch this season. Yeah, would be I, good. I swear if we like we come out with a clunker on Sunday and just get boat raced by the Colts. <sighs> yeah, that would be rough. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so either. This I I mean, I don't know. I don't even know what's up and down anymore. I thought the Huskies were good. <laughs> Apparently, they're not. We're not great like- at this. Per- <laughs> We shouldn't go to Vegas anytime soon. Let's no, just say that. This is why I keep my money in the bank. In a savings in my account. wallet. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't go gambling. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Well, anyway, what are you sipping on tonight? Or are you sipping on anything? I guess I know you're going to the airport here pretty soon yeah. to pick up your wife. No, I, you know, you know, with Justin not on the podcast, I figured somebody had to play water boy for the day. So that's fine. That'll be that's me. Fine. I've got to go pick my wife up at midnight at the airport. So it's a very um, legit excuse to not be drinking right now. Playing it safe with some high quality H2O. What a boy. What a boy. How about you? That's okay. Graduated um, from your seltzer. <laughs> I did. Um, we're going a little harsh, actually. I got a Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra IPA. Oh, what's the IPA on that bad boy? IBUs. Um, I don't know if it actually lists the IBUs on this. I don't see it on the label, but it's seven point two percent. So it's a it's a healthy beer. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's this beer ain't fucking around or anything like that. It's it's there. You'll feel it. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, obviously we got a we got a Seahawks preview today for for this first game against the Colts. It's officially football season now. Like, I mean, obviously, like the college football season always starts like a week before, but like it's really like once the NFL gets going, I feel like that I can really appreciate that it's actually football season. Both both NFL and college are are in their seasons. And um I'm super I'm super excited for this Seahawks squad. I think that they can be pretty good. Um I think if we're if we're basing it off of last year and the changes that we made this offseason, there's potential here. There's potential. And there always oh, is yeah. when you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, even though apparently I hate him. And I think he's only the eighth best quarterback in the league. Oh man. <laughs> I didn't say it. You did. I know. You were gonna bring it up at some point though. Yeah. That's we the do whole some... like self-deprecation. <laughs> oh, don't pick on me. I'm already so sad. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I'm just getting ahead of it now. Um, (laughs) We do have some good news out of, out of practice though. And this was just today that this came out and offensive tackle Dwayne Brown 
and safety Quandre Diggs. They have been kind of hold-ins at, at Seahawks training camp and practice, but they are practicing for, for the game this week. So that's good news. Uh, Pete Carroll confirmed both will play this week. So that's, that's good. Despite all the contract, you know, rumors and, you know, differences of opinion between the two sides, the Seahawks organization and these players, they are, they are going to play, don't want to forfeit their game checks. So that's, that's good news for the Hawks. Yeah. I mean, that's massive because not only are they both really solid players at their position, they're both playing at a position where if we don't got those two guys, we're in rough shape. If yeah. we don't have Dwayne Brown at left tackle, Russ is running for his life mm-hmm. and you know, We'll get to it, but I don't think either of us are sold that our DBs are going to be Oof. a great group. I mean, you feel good with Quandre Diggs back and Jamal Adams at your safety position, but you know, if Diggs was going to sit out, you're kind of nervous about your corners, and now you're nervous about one of your safety spots. So getting getting those two guys back at positions of need for us mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. huge news and. You never know how these lockout things can drag on and whatnot, but getting both of them back for this week of practice and the fact that they'll be suiting up this weekend is a big win if you're a Seahawks fan, for sure. No doubt. And do you want to, do we, should we expand upon that, the corner talk a little bit now, or do you want to touch on that a little bit later when we get into like players to watch? That's up to you. Let's touch on it a little bit now. I I feel like a little bit now, and then we can maybe expand upon it in the players to watch. So obviously Sam just alluded to, we're pretty worried about the corner position. And I think the Seahawks, by the way that they've been maneuvering the market at cornerback, they're pretty worried about it too. Yeah. So (laughs) uh, Sam hyped up a a corner by the name of Akello Weatherspoon going into this year. And yes, I, I did. Think that, I think that was your breakout player of the of the year prediction. Yeah, he sure on, was on defense. I also um, predicted, predicted the Huskies to go twelve and zero. So, yep. uh, <laughs> like I said, we're not going to Vegas anytime. Not soon. looking great. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Akello's no longer on the team. Uh, he got traded to Pittsburgh for a 2023 fifth round pick. In the meantime, we have signed uh, cornerback Sidney Jones, which I think we touched on last week. I think we maybe. briefly touched on it in one of our pro dog segments, but I don't yeah, think we've right. really covered it in too That's much right. detail. That's right. Yeah. So we'll expand upon that one later when we talk about some players to watch. Yeah. Um, and so right now, your your starting cornerbacks at this point are uh, DJ Reed, um, who we've talked about in in our pre in our predictions episode and then trey flowers who has had a very up and down career mostly down i'd say he had a pretty good rookie year and then you've seen flashes that he could be a capable corner but you've also seen some not so great stuff from trey flowers um so those are your starters right now and obviously there's some depth pieces in there Uh, i mentioned sydney jones was signed um i think they just signed another dude i need to look up his name um, who started for what was was it the Jets or something last I year? I saw the, I saw the headline come through, and I haven't done too much research on it yet. I'll look it up now. Um, but why don't you why don't, why don't you go over a little bit of the the history with the Colts just while I'm while I'm pulling some of this up? Yeah, or I can add I I'd 
I can add a little more color on the corners as well. Oh, sure. Like, yeah, go for it. With the reasons why I'm nervous, I think you covered Trey Flowers well. Like he's been up and down, mostly down recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think he looked okay in the preseason. He looked better than he has. But again, that's only preseason. So you don't feel solid with him as a starting cornerback based on his production to date. I think I'm a little bit nervous about DJ Reed and just the general comfort that I get. I get a sense of comfort when people talk about DJ Reed and he played really well for us last year. I mean, he Mm -hmm. really solidified himself as a really good corner in our system last year, but like that could also just be a flash in the pan for this guy too. I mean, he was, yeah. Was he a mid season acquisition or early season acquisition last year? Or did we pick him up? I in think the he was season? like, oh, yeah, he was a waiver claim. I can't remember if it was like late in the offseason or early in the season. Yeah, it was. And one he of had those. kind of been a role player for the 49ers, correct? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, yeah, he had struggled with some injuries with the 49ers, I think, too. But yes. Yeah. So, really, my point there is like, yes, he played well for us for the majority of last season, mm-hmm. but like that was kind of his breakout period. And he, it's not like he's got this history of being a really solid, consistent corner. Mm-hmm. So going off of his production in the Seahawks system last year, I think you can feel good about that. But I'm just like, there's a part of me that just wants to pump the brakes on people saying like, oh yeah, he's like our lock, locked in corner. Just sure. makes me feel a little bit unsettled. Oh, I totally feel the same way. Um yeah, I mean, I, I definitely liked what I saw from him last year, and I think he plays with the right mentality. He's aggressive. He's physical for his size. Um, he's got kind of a nasty streak to him. Like, he's he's a he's an energy-type player, which I think is always a good thing, especially at that position. He's got a little bit of swagger to him, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's we're talking about a six- to eight-game stretch here at the end of the season. Yeah. And like you said, totally could just be a flash in the pan. I'm, I'm hoping that, hoping that it's not, but um, yeah, I mean, right now he's, he's your, he's your lockdown corner on he's the one guy. side. Um, so I'll just list off the names in this cornerback room real quick. And then we can, we can expand upon this conversation a little bit later in the podcast, but obviously you got the rookie Trey Brown in the mix as well. Who's kind of struggled with some injuries. So we'll see how healthy he is and whether he actually, is um active for this first week so uh i know that when he was healthy he was playing pretty well for them i guess in practice uh and then yeah you got a couple of other new faces here so nigel warrior uh, he was claimed off waivers from the ravens i think that was last week um he's 6'1 197 so kind of your prototypical corner size Mm-hmm. Um, he also played at safety at Tennessee before he was with Baltimore. So he's got a little bit of versatility there, but obviously I don't really know a lot about him. Um, he's more of a physical press cornerback is, is what I'm, I'm reading here though. And then the, the more flashy signing, I guess, was Blasuan Austin. I don't even know how to say his name, but he was kind of a surprise cut by the jets. Gotcha. Um, he, uh yeah he was waived by the jets a few days ago um thanks to two acl tears austin only played 25 games at rutgers that's where he was 
that's where he went to college, but still managed to post four interceptions and 18 passes defense in college. After getting picked in the sixth round of the 2019 NFL draft, Austin eventually became a starter in New York and proved passable in coverage. He has missed 18 tackles in two years, though. So maybe not so great at tackling. (laughs) Maybe Um, not a strong suit. (laughs) uh, So don't really want to see that guy in space, but sounds like he can cover pretty well. And it's not like the Jets are really that that good of a team or have been at least over the past few years, but um, he was a starter. So he has starting experience. So that take that for what it's worth. And I mean, we're talking, there's not a lot of options out there right now Yeah, when it comes to the cornerback market. So Seahawks are, Seahawks are, I think realizing they're in a little bit of a desperate situation. I do know one name that's out there still, and um, we can maybe talk about him later too, but yeah. um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't think anything will happen before, before the game on Sunday. All right, let's talk a little bit more about this series history with the Colts. Uh, Not a team that we play very often because it's an AFC team, AFC opponents. We only play, I think, each team pretty much every four years or so is kind of the the rotation that they follow in the NFL. So the last matchup that we had with them was in 2017, which the Hawks won. But the Colts lead the series seven to five, been pretty evenly matched. so they've only I'm met surprised. 12 times, it seems, 12 times since 1977. Yeah, even when we were an AFC team, like that just seems 12 mm-hmm. times seems light. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm obviously not uh, super in tune with exactly how they make the schedules, but I know that typically if you're in the like, at least like the like the traditional way to schedule now is. AFC, AFC versus NFC, like out of conference games, will be every four years or so. Yeah. Like that's why we play like the Patriots every four years or whatever. So we mm-hmm. played them last year. We probably won't play them until 2024. Right. Or whatever. Um, but anyway, so that's that's just kind of a brief series here history with with the Colts. Uh yeah, Hawks won the last battle 46 to 18. That was in Seattle. The one that comes to mind for me always is when it was Russ versus Andrew Luck in their second year in 2013. That was our first loss to loss of the season, I think, yeah. in Indianapolis. Um, I remember that was a it was a pretty entertaining game, but it was kind of a frustrating game to it. It was a game that like I thought we played well, and I was expecting to win, and then I look up at the scoreboard, we lost. So, just what was the what was the sometimes. score to that game? Do you remember? Like 34 to 28, I think. Yeah. I had it just up here a second ago. Yeah, 34 to 28. Yeah, Russ. I thought Russ had a better game than that. He did not have a great game, though, honestly. 15 of 31 for 210. Yeah. Two touchdowns and an interception. I think we got off to a really hot start was what it was. Like in that first quarter, we were up 12 to 7. Yeah. I feel like we started better than that. I don't know. All I know is that Indianapolis scored 11 unanswered in, in the fourth quarter. and Yeah, that's pretty brutal. Lost, so. Oh, it was because Russ went off rushing. He had 13 carries for 102 yards. That's probably why I thought he played really well. Gotcha. Early anyway, day Russ. Early day Russ. Doesn't have those legs anymore. No. <laughs> so the Hawks are two and a half point favorites, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that Colts don't really know who's going to be playing quarterback at this point. Uh, Carson Wentz was acquired in the offseason. 
and is thought to be their, their starter going into the year. He had a foot injury early in training camp that he's been nursing. Um, and it's, that's healthy now, I guess, or did that happen over the off season? Was that in like, I can't remember if that was like early in training camp or if it was, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was, it was early. Yeah. It was like early in training camp because I remember like Pat McAfee talking about how okay. Wentz looked really good the first couple of days. And then when he got injured, and he got injured. Yeah. McAfee was like pulling his hair out on his show <laughs> on YouTube. So right. I remember that. So it was early training camp, but he, he definitely happened before their first preseason game. Cause I remember all sure. the hype around their backup. Name probably sounds familiar. Jacob Eason, local kid from Lake Stevens, obviously went to Georgia as the number one quarterback in the country, five-star recruit, and didn't work out there. He ended up losing the job to Jake Fromm and ended up playing the 2019 season with your Washington Huskies and left a year early and was – he was drafted, wasn't he? He was – or did yeah, he fourth go round. undrafted? He was fourth no, it was fourth round. round. Okay by the Colts. And so, I mean, he's, he's looked okay in preseason. I mean, if, mm -hmm. if Carson Wentz isn't, I mean, Carson Wentz is probably the better quarterback at this mm -hmm. point, given mm -hmm. that he's healthy, but I think it would be a cool, I mean, I, I'm rooting for Jacob Eason. I think it'd be cool if he got a, sh a shot to start his sure. first NFL game against the hometown team, but Right. It'd be interesting to see who plays. I think it will have a huge impact on the game one way or the other. I don't I don't know that Eason I don't know. I mean our our defensive backfield, who knows what could happen. <laughs> it could it could be a shit show. It could be okay. We don't know. I don't think it's gonna be great. I, I could pretty much eliminate that option uh for our cornerback cornerback situation. But yeah, so we don't know who is playing quarterback. And it, I mentioned that. Carson Wentz had a had a foot injury. He came back from that and was practicing for a couple of days and then went on the COVID list, which he is not vaccinated, I believe, is, mm -hmm. is the rumor mill. Um, and in general, the Colts are one of the least vaccinated rosters in, in the NFL. So it'll be really interesting to see how stuff like that kind of affects certain teams this year, the ones that aren't vaccinated, like is there going to be a forfeit this year? That's, that's, what's going to be a really intriguing storyline. I really hope not. Cause that's just stupid. Um, but I mean, it's the, it's the world that we live in right now and there's gotta be consequences for players and the decisions that, that they make when it comes to public health. So I think on that thread too, it'll be interesting to watch the similarities or differences in terms of the trends of COVID related fortune forfeits between the NFL and college football. Yeah. And I mean, I think just given the landscape, you'd expect the NFL to potentially have more issues with that. I mm -hmm. think with a lot of public institutions are going to require it. So maybe there's less of a choice between the players at the college level versus in the professional ranks, but yeah, it'll be interesting. You hope you don't, that that doesn't happen, but does seem like there's a couple of these teams out there that have pretty low vaccination numbers. And mm -hmm. I mean, that would be a pretty shitty way to lose a game in my opinion. Well, not only that, but you have to forfeit game checks. Yeah. Like that becomes a I, locker room issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, I, I don't know if this is correct, but I heard 
that not only the team that forfeits forfeits their game checks, but the team that they were playing also has to forfeit their game checks. Oh, wow. which seems oh, that's screwed up. If that's the actually the case, I don't know if that actually is. That's what I heard on the radio, like two days Man, ago or something like that. If that's but, the case. That is intense. I mean, that's essentially the NFL mandating vaccines at that point, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Without like as close as you can get to it without actually saying it. So they should probably just do it if they're going to do it. But anyway, (laughs) um, so that'll be an interesting storyline to watch, obviously. Uh, But it does sound like uh, he's he's activated off the COVID list now, Carson Wentz. And so he is practicing. Seems kind of 50 50 whether he's going to be actually ready to play or not. But um, I would. I would count on him probably being out yeah. there, but if it's not, it's going to be Jacob Eason. So uh, that that would be that would be very intriguing to watch as well, um, in my opinion. All right, uh, who are some other players that you're you're interested in watching though on this on this Colts roster, Sam? Yeah, I think sticking on the offensive side of the ball, and regardless who that quarterback's going to be, I think this Colts team is built to run the ball first. They've got one of the better offensive lines in football, at least last year they were. And I know they return a lot of their guys up front and their running back, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin mm-hmm. is a hell of a running back. I mean, the mm-hmm. full package and not really seeing these every down running backs in today's NFL anymore, but he can really do it all. And yeah, he's probably going to go for a hundred against us. <laughs> <laughs> He definitely is capable of doing it for sure. I hope, I hope that's not the case. I hope our, I feel like our run defense should be okay. I think it'll be okay, but I think they're also going to force feed him, whether it's Wentz sure. or Eason. I think they're going to rely on the run game a lot. So it might be one of those things where our run defense plays okay. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, I don't know, 3.5, four yards per carry for Taylor, but do that enough times you can you can get close yeah yeah that's true um one of the guys that i'm watching if if and when they do throw the ball is tight end jack doyle he's been kind of a a mainstay on their on the colts for a long time always a really solid option for them tight ends tend to kill the hawks over the years but we do have obviously i want to see what jamal adams looks like when he's healthy and in coverage and I want to see how he matches up against him. I want to see how Quandre Diggs maybe matches up against him. I want to see when our, you know, young stud linebacker Jordan Brooks is matched up against him, what he looks like. There might be some spot choices where the nickel Marquise player is lined up against him. I yeah. just want to see, I want to see how those guys perform against like a, a he's, he's their most reliable pass catcher. That's healthy right now. Jack Doyle right. is, I would say. Uh, Michael Pittman's probably a close second. He's got a lot of young talent, I'd say, on their mm-hmm. wide receiver group, but not proven talent, I'd say, at this point in their careers. So Jack Doyle is kind of the the name that I'm circling when it comes to us covering. So that kind of bodes a little bit better just because they have some more inexperience at the receiver group, like where our weakness is probably on the outside, whereas the better part of our defense is kind of on the interior. And if we're going to be covering guys, it's – with our safeties and linebackers that that bodes a little bit better for us. So be yeah. interesting to see that matchup, I think too. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good call and just a little additional bit of context there. Their mainstay at wide receiver 
T.Y. Hilton is not going to be playing. He's on the IR, and I think mm-hmm. he's likely done for the year. I forget exactly. He had a neck yeah. or back injury, something pretty significant. And I think it was a, I think it was a neck injury because yeah. I think I tweeted both you and Justin about it, and it was like, ooh, that might be career ending. Yeah, I think his it was one age, of the, what one of you guys said. So yeah, at that age and with a head or neck injury, that's not good. Um, obviously, wishing T.Y. Hilton good mm-hmm. health and good recovery there, but he won't be playing much at all this season. Definitely not this weekend. So again, to your point, a little bit of a. I mean, if T.Y. was healthy he was probably going to eat up our corners pretty good <laughs> so if you're looking yeah. at it from a seahawk fan perspective i do think that you know their weakness on offense matching up with our weakness on defense right. gives you a little bit of relief i suppose but you'd hate that coming from an injury but that's just the reality of professional football and yep. we'll see how our interior Defense can handle, again, a, a good tight end threat, Jack Doyle. Flipping to the other side of the ball, though, there's another name that should be familiar and one of the better defensive tackles in the game, DeForest Buckner. He played at the University of Oregon. He was a mainstay for the San Francisco 49ers for multiple years. And he's he's a good pass rusher from the interior D-line yeah. position, for sure. Really athletic, long-levered guy. Stout against the run, so you're going to hear his name called this weekend for sure. So that's someone that our, our offensive line needs to pay attention to. I'll be looking up for his matchup against our interior line, especially mm-hmm. someone like Gabe Jackson, who's new right. in the Seahawks uniform. Want to see what, what that acquisition for us looks like. And then, I hope he doesn't line up over center. I'll just say that. I don't like our center options right now. Yeah. And assuming that it's going to be Kyle Fuller, right? That's that's the rumor. Yes. Yeah. So we like we acquired another dude that is kind of in the mix, I guess, at center. I can't remember his name. I'll look well, that up. That's not too. a good sign if you don't know. No. <laughs> like I said, with corner and center, I guess I left out the center part, but they've they've had some last minute moves here. Um, yeah. I mean, the two you don't guys... recognize these names, and <laughs> and the Seahawks are desperate. They're they're definitely hitting the panic button a bit just with the flurry of moves at these position groups. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it sounds like it's going to be Kyle Fuller at center, but it might also be Ethan Pochich, Posich mm. that was our center last year. Didn't play great. So I think Buckner's probably licking his chops if he's lining up over center. Feel pretty good about our left guard spot with Damian Lewis, but I don't know. It could be hopefully that Gabe Jackson, I don't really know. I I don't really know what to expect from him. I mean, he played solid with the Vegas Raiders, but Mm -hmm. you know, new system and we'll see how it goes, but hopefully he can shore up some of the interior line issues we've seen in the past. And he's up for a hell of a test against someone like DeForest Buckner. So I'll be watching that matchup for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dakota Shepley is the guy's name. Gotcha. He's, been a bit of a journeyman but um it was another kind of surprise cut i guess but he's he's canadian he played in the cfl for a little bit originally i think from vancouver so kind of a somewhat local local kid um coming back to the northwest so 
we'll we'll see how that 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 uh pans out i'm not sure if he's he's actually in the mix for starting or not probably obviously depends on i'm pretty sure kyle fuller is going to be your starter from from the jump on sunday but if he obviously sucks i'm pretty sure they're gonna have a pretty short leash with yeah with him so uh Another guy that I know is not on our list here, but I just want to call out is their their first round draft pick, Quiddy Pay. It's going to be interesting to see. It sounds like they're they're really relying upon him in their pass rush, and their pass rush is not that great. They're a mm-hmm. team that doesn't blitz a lot either, so I would hope that Russ maybe has some time to throw in this game, and maybe we can get some long long developing routes like the the Hawks like to run off of play action and get good protection and let DK and Tyler eat down, down the field and maybe even D Eskridge. We'll see. Yeah. Um, anyone else on the defense or offense that you wanted to highlight on the Colts, Rodrigo Blankenship, their place, place kicker, Mr. Goggles <laughs> himself, Mr. Goggles, the OG. <laughs> um, not really. I mean, maybe the only one on the defensive side of the ball, we were talking about off mic earlier, Xavier mm-hmm. Rhodes had a, bounced back pretty good year last year for the Colts and they re-signed him for this season. Mm-hmm. He's a bigger, more physical type corner. He's getting old, a bit older now, but I think it'll be interesting to see that matchup. I imagine he's going to be lining up over DK for, I don't, yeah. I don't know how they run their defense if they pick sides or if they follow receivers, but I think DK versus Xavier Rhodes, I think will be a fun one to watch. I definitely feel that, Metcalf has the edge in that in that one-on-one battle but anytime you get two very physical players going in that wide receiver corner matchup it's always kind of fun to watch so I think that one will be entertaining either way other than that I mean maybe the other person to call out on their defense is Darius Leonard is a really good linebacker Mm -hmm. my guess is he's going to be spying Russell Wilson quite a bit so you know, and Russell's not the running threat that he used to be, but he still is Mr. Houdini magic man himself back there. Right. So Leonard's going to have his hands full trying to contain him once he breaks the pocket. But I think this is a defense that can get got. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so too. And they obviously had a really good defense last year. Um, and I think for the most part, most guys are kind of returning, but just some of these names aren't really that impressive to me. The I know, other, I was just thinking to myself, who's their defensive coordinator? That's probably the maybe. Yeah, it right could there. be a, could be a scheme thing. Um, but yeah, the only other name that I'm recognizing on here is uh, from from college. Uh, you would recognize this name, Julian Blackman, um, when he played for Utah. Yeah, he played with Marquise Blair and stuff back there. So. Um, he came out a couple years ago, I think, and he's a good he's a good safety. All right, well, we can switch over to the Hawks side, I guess, and probably a little bit more of more of we'll have more to talk about, I think, on, on this on this side of uh, this side of things, just because we're obviously more familiar with the Hawks roster. But um, Sam, I, I want to pose the question to you: like, who? Who are you going to keep a particular eye on when you're watching 
watching this game on Sunday morning. Like, I guess you're not going to be watching it on Sunday. Yeah, morning. I'll be in the woods. <laughs> but but if you were to be watching it Sunday morning, like who who intrigues you the most? And like, try to not pick one of the sexy names. On, yeah. On the roster, like I I feel like we should peel the onion back a little bit deeper, and maybe pick some of the some of the guys that might go unnoticed otherwise. Yeah, I think I'll probably continue on the same thread that I was talking about earlier with that DeForest Buckner matchup. Sure. I really, and maybe not singling out a single lineman, but I really want to see, or I'd be really paying attention to this offensive line, both in the run game and the passing game. I just, you hope that getting the addition of someone like Gabe Jackson, Jackson can make, make a, a positive impact here. We're returning our left tackle, left guard, right tackle shell is back and healthy. So that's to me, like the only missing piece of this offense, right? Like you feel pretty damn good with your quarterback, even though he's only top eight or 10, Mm -hmm. but he's still pretty good. Uh, And you have two elite (laughs) wide receivers. And so you know, I want to see him protect Russ. I want to see how they do against the pass rush. Again, we mentioned like Indy isn't known based off their performance last year as a, you know, rushing the passer type defense. They've struggled with that. I really want to see us establish the run with Chris Carson. I want to see how healthy and, and explosive he looks. So that's kind of what I'll be looking at. I know it's a little bit of a cop out, not one player, but I really want to watch that offensive line unit and see if they've improved from last year. Totally. Totally. Kind of going off of that, I guess when you're talking about weak parts of the offense, which there aren't that many, we've the other, the other uh, position that we've talked about over and over, I think in this off season is that third wide receiver position. Yeah. And I mean, so long as he's healthy, D Eskridge is going to get the first snaps there and, and the couple snaps that he had in that last preseason game, he looked pretty good. So I'm hoping that that was a good sign of things to come. I'm really interested. I think this is the perfect toy for Shane Waldron to play with, especially as he's kind of getting his feet wet with being an OC. And um, it's, it's, he's a cool tool to have just because he can do so many different things. He can be your end around guy, you know, like you see a Debo Samuel or yeah. a, back in the day Tavon Austin like someone like that he can be that he can also be a screen guy for you he's also a really good route runner in general though he can just do like those kind of general slot routes that you see a lot of like flat routes you see kind of some quick crossing patterns he can beat you over the top I don't know how much he's going to be asked to do that early in his career but he can do that um so I I'm interested to see what how how D Eskridge fits in not only this offense, but in Shane Waldron's game plan and how he utilizes him, because I think he's, he's a lot more talented than anything that we've had at that third wide receiver position in a long time. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in that storyline as well. Yeah. I like that. It'll be one of those things too. That's exciting about him is he adds an element to that wide receiver group that doesn't exist. I mean, sure you know, maybe Tyler Lockett was similar back early in his early career, quick, Mm -hmm. quick and small, but plays bigger than he is. So I think he could really add an element to that wide receiver room, which would be great to see. 
I know another person we have listed here on the offensive side, offensive side of the ball is tight end Gerald Everett. Mm-hmm. He's a newcomer from the Rams. He's obviously familiar with that Shane Waldron and LA Rams offense. So expect to see him in the passing game. And I just can't help myself if I have to pick one player. And I don't mean to like, we'll talk about Everett more here, but I'm just pumped to see Uncle Will. Will Disley. (laughs) I hope that he stays healthy and he started to play better towards the end of last year. But I think you're going to see these tight ends, both Gerald Everett and Will Disley playing a lot. Sure. And getting a lot of snaps, both in the pass game and in the run game. Gerald Everett is going to be an exciting tight end in the passing game provides an element of explosiveness to that position that we haven't seen Probably in a since long Jimmy. time. And even then, Probably. like Jimmy wasn't as, ex- as an explosive of an athlete. I don't think at that point. Yeah. Well, I won't say that he is pretty, he's pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, he was, he was definitely a really good receiver um, at that tight end position, but yeah, I mean, for, I, for sure, I would say since then, yeah. we haven't, we haven't had anyone quite like the, the makeup of Gerald Everett. So yeah, I def, I'm definitely interested in that tight end position. I, I'm interested to see what the snap count looks like on yeah. with, between those two too. Like, just cause obviously Will is definitely a better blocker, but um, Gerald Everett's probably the, the better weapon in the yeah. past game so just what does that look like what's the split like between those two can will disley like kind of regain some of that form that he had a couple of years ago before the injury too so uh, he's coming off a very severe injury in 2019 and although he played pretty much all of last year he just didn't really look completely himself like completely yeah. back to form so and sometimes those types of injuries when you're out for basically a full calendar year they take a year of getting back into it to kind of really be back to your old self. So hopefully with like a full off season and getting back into the swing of things, Will Disley can regain some of that, some of that form and potential that we saw early in his career. It's a big year for him too. I think it's his contract year. Yeah, that would make sense. So we'll see how he performs. Uh, Switching over the other side of the ball. I mean, I think, I think both of us are definitely watching that cornerback position. And you mentioned his name earlier, DJ Reed. Can he be that alpha in that cornerback room? I'm really interested to see. Hope so. (laughs) I I don't think, I mean, and maybe this is a, this, this game's a bad example because I don't know how much he's going to be tested in this game, just because I think the receivers aren't necessarily a strength on the Colts offense. Right. So he might look pretty good this week and it might not really actually mean a lot at that point week two is going to get really interesting really quick at this cornerback in this cornerback room with the titans coming to town they have quite quite a few weapons yes they do position so yeah but interested to see how dj reed does and then does trey flowers get all the snaps at the other corner position or do they rotate trey and sydney or does this new kid i don't even remember his name Flash win Austin or whatever. Austin, yeah. The yeah. Does he does he get some snaps this week? I mean, he just got into town, I think. Like I two doubt years ago. I doubt he does. I'm kind of asking that question more of Sidney Jones. I think that's sure. someone who's 
definitely going to play a role in this defensive backfield once he's up to speed on the playbook mm-hmm. and assignments. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's been here for a week now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a week and a half. So he'll be here like a week and a half, two weeks by game time. So that's not a lot of time. I think that's probably a no. talent that would play more than this weekend would indicate. But if Trey Flowers is struggling, I don't think that they're going to, you know, he'll have a short leash. He'll have a short leash. So I, I would love to see Sidney Jones out there, but I also want to see him be set up for success and have the appropriate time to acclimate to the new team right. before he's thrown into the fire. So, and know, we're not Trey biased Brown. as we're not biased as Husky fans or anything like that. So, no, not at all. <laughs> but I want to see my boy Sidney Jones. Out there. Yeah. But also, it's that's also a good segue when we're talking about Will Disley's, you know, recovery from an Achilles sure. tear. Yep. Same injury. Sidney Jones is a great example of that, where he got injured on his pro day, final snap of his pro day, and went yeah. to the Eagles and struggled there. Struggled with some other injuries, but the last year or so, he's you've start to see him regain his form that we were used to when he was wearing the purple and gold of the Washington Huskies. So it feels like he's worked him worked his way back to regaining his old form to a certain mm-hmm. degree. And we hope that that trend continues and that he can be a contributor on this defense. And hopefully that trend plays out the same way for Will Disley. And the further you get away from that injury and that rehab, you're able to regain your old self a bit more. For sure. The last question that I'll pose to you in this segment is who are you more interested and who do you think makes a bigger impact on this game? I think this is, this is a pretty good comparison. Jordan Brooks or Marquise Blair? Jordan Brooks. You think? Yeah. I I think that's just maybe a cop-out answer because I think he's just going to get a lot more snaps. Sure. I think Brooks is going to play every defensive snap. Yeah. And I still don't know where Blair fits in on this defense. Like, is he He's your... apparently your starting nickel. Yeah, I mean, that's just hard. I haven't, we haven't seen him play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he played it. He played it a, a bit last year. I mean, in the one game that he was healthy. And he played pretty well in that Atlanta game. And then uh, we saw him back in there again, I think for the first time in the preseason against the Chargers. And he made yeah. a couple impact plays kind of right off the bat. But obviously, I mean, that's all that's against all like second, str- second and third stringers, too. So I don't know how much you take take from that. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I would add to that a little additional context is. I think if they both play well or slightly better than expected, I think the more positive impact to the team is Marquise Blair. I think, Mm -hmm. again, going back to the general theme of that is a position of need and that's a weak spot on the defense. So if you get solid, consistent production from him in that nickel spot, I think probably has a more profound impact in a positive way on the defense than Brooks playing as expected at the linebacker position. I just feel like Bobby Wagner covers so much up that like obviously Brooks still needs to play well, but I think if they both play well, the bigger impact will be felt from Blair. I think just because it's like such a position of need for us, like just getting someone to cons- really consistently 
provide production out of that position would be hugely beneficial for this defense moving forward. I agree. I agree. It'll be interesting to see how that shapes up. I mean, the corner, the corner battle doesn't stop just at the outside. I mean, at the nickel position, right. you got Ugo Amadi right behind him too. And honestly, is the drop off bigger on the outside or the inside there? And does that make you question whether they should be looking? They were talking about possibly Marquise Blair being an outside corner at one point. That's last so year. crazy to me. We've, and we've I... never really seen him cover like that before because he was a safety, obviously, when he was drafted. Yeah, and so, that's what I keep going back to because it's really the only frame of reference I have for him is his time at Utah in college where he was this hard-hitting, run-defending safety. Mm-hmm. And now everything I've been hearing out of the Seahawks camp is that he feels more like a cover guy. Yeah, like, I don't, which is interesting. Which is great if that's the case because you know he still has that physical, sure. aggressive style of play that doesn't ever go away if you have it. Well, and I think that's why they really like him at the nickel position because you're closer to the line of scrimmage, you're closer to the snap yeah. of the play, and especially on rundowns, if he's so good in that position, you can almost sub him in for a linebacker and he can be that extra body out there in space and make a good tackle. So, yeah, he's definitely, a, a, I think, a name to watch too on the defensive side. All right, uh, should we switch over to keys to the game or do you have any other call-outs for the Hawks? Um, I think the only other call out on the defensive side of the ball for me is just seeing some, what some of the new pass rushers that we aren't familiar with in game action. So someone like Kerry Hyder, you know, even Daryl Taylor getting in there on some blitzes, just be two names. Interesting to watch what those new pass rushers outside of Carlos Dunlap could provide and maybe alleviate the need of blitzing Jamal Adams as much as we do. Mm-hmm. that'll be the the other thing that I'll be watching on the defensive side of the ball. It's good. It's a good call out. All right. Uh, keys to the game. I mean, defensively, I think this is just the general football cop-out answer, but in a team, when you're facing a team like the Colts and you don't really know who's going to be playing quarterback, but you know that they have a hell of a running back, first thing you got to do is stop the run. Yeah, And the Colts are definitely going to be working around their running game. Um, just that's, that's their, that's their stud on offense is, is Jonathan Taylor. And you got to limit his production in this game and limit, limit his impact on this game. And hopefully he doesn't have any explosive runs. He'll probably, he's probably bound to have one or two. Mm-hmm. I think explosive runs in the NFL, I think are 10 plus. I think that's how they're categorized. So he'll probably have like at least one, if not a couple of those, but limit those as much as you can, because you want to stay ahead of the chains. You want to force these guys into third and longs. Yeah. They're going to run the ball a lot on first and second down. Like they just are, especially if Jacob Eason is starting. Mm-hmm. And then um, just in general, just limit explosives on defense. Like I want to make sure that we're, we're not giving anything up over the top. We have a lot of questions at corner. I think our safeties are pretty solid, but we need to make sure that, that we're not letting passes go over the top of, of those corners whenever they're in, they're in isolated coverage that's un, unprotected. And 
I'm a little bit worried about that. I don't think that the, again, the Colts have much in the way of weapons on the outside, but Michael Pittman, we saw him do it at USC. He's a good receiver. He can definitely beat a guy over the top. He's got good speed. Um, really good body. size. Yeah. Yeah. Big body too. So, and our corners are a little bit undersized. Trey Flowers is maybe a little bit bigger, but for the most part, we're pretty undersized at corner. Um, so that, that'll, that'll be interesting to watch. And I'm hoping that we can just limit the explosives that, that the, the Colts have on offense on Sunday. Yeah. I think those are definitely, I mean, again, pretty generic, but going to be really important for this first regular season game and you know sticking with the cliches i think the turnover margin is going to be a big thing in this game that's something that Mm -hmm. the seahawks offensively struggled with last year russell wilson got a little wary with the football and had you know made throwing interceptions a little bit too much of a regular occurrence towards the end of last year and this colts defense you know what they lack in terms of recognizable defensive players, they make up in turnovers. They create a lot of them. I don't know where they ranked exactly in the turnover margin or creating turnovers as a defense last year, but I know it was one of the higher ones in the league. Yeah. So we got to take care of the football. Russ needs to make safe throws, take it, what take what they give you. Carson needs to hold on to the ball. He's had some fumble issues in the past as well. So I'll be watching that turnover margin. Hopefully we can get a couple of takeaways ourselves, but really in this, in this topic, I'm looking for the Seahawks offense, not to put our defense in bad spots or give up a defensive score, anything like that. And then really, I think let's want to see us utilize our player strengths. I mean, I think this is a key theme towards, you know, some of the frustrations we felt as fans at the end of last year is not, you know, particularly on offense, not being able to utilize our player strengths and not putting our team in positions of making plays, particularly on offense. So would love to see us, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with Shane Waldron's offense unveiling this week. And what does that look like? How are we utilizing this highly skilled offense? I mean, we touched Mm -hmm. on it earlier, really the only weak spot that we think going into the season that we have it's probably center and the third wide receiver position. I think we feel good that if D Eskridge is healthy, that third wide receiver position might not be that bad after all. And so if you're able to say like the real only position of concern at this point is center, your offense is stacked. And so Mm -hmm. I want to see what that looks like with the new offensive coordinator. Obviously we haven't seen shit in preseason. So They've yeah. been holding it pretty close to the vest. So I think it's a good that, thing. I yeah, I agree. And so I expect our offense to have some success this weekend, but I really want to see us utilize our weapons more so than we did towards the end of last year. And you know, to my you know, players to watch on the Hawks, my unit to watch, I think it really starts with the offensive line. Give Russell Wilson time. Yep. He's gonna find open guys. He's really dangerous when he's not blitzed against and you know make some holes for chris carson we know what he can do so i think it starts up front but i want to see those skill positions be utilized in a more creative way than what it was last year where it was like inside zone inside zone inside zone play action Mm -hmm. take it off the top bomb Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just seeing some more creativity would be nice 
Oh, for sure. And I think we will see it. And you mentioned how dangerous Russ is when he's not blitzed. And I'll just, I'll read off this stat from PFF. He posted the third highest rating. This is all last season. Uh, third highest passer rating at 108 uh, through the third most touchdowns, 26 and had a 90.2 PFF rating, which is elite um, when not blitzed last season. And like you said, he's also facing a Colts defense that blitz, blitz just 17.1% of the time last year. So they don't, they don't blitz a lot and they're relying upon a rookie to pass rush right now in Quiddy pay. And obviously they got a stud defensive tackle. Like we know that in DeForest Buckner yeah. and he's, he's a legit pass rusher for sure from, from that middle. But when you're relying upon one guy, like it's, it could be tough sledding for them so long as our offensive line is up to the challenge and Russ should in theory have time in this game. And yeah. if he's got time, he can be pretty dangerous. Danger Russ. Danger Russ. Yeah. It'll be <laughs> interesting. I mean, the only thing that I would add there as a potential caveat is like, got to have some faith that Dwayne Brown has been keeping himself in shape. I don't sure. worry about. He well, I guess it... in really good shape. <laughs> like, I'll yeah. just say that. Um, when he he's, was posting pictures in the off season. So, yeah, he's typically one of those offensive linemen. That's just a total gym rat looking guy. I mean, he is yoked. Yeah. So I'm not too concerned about that, but there is something to say about play shape, but sure. Most of these teams haven't been playing their, their dudes in the preseason anyway. So I think that there will be a little bit more first game rust rustiness than we're used to seeing given the fact that a lot of our ones didn't play at all hardly. So I think that's going to be a theme around the league though. It's not going to be a Seahawks specific right. thing. So we'll work through that, but I'm, I'm hopeful that this offense will be able to find success on Sunday. I would think I would honestly be surprised if they don't. I just, I think we match up pretty well um, given the strengths of the Seahawks and then, the, the weaknesses of the Colts. So I, I think we match up pretty well in this, in this matchup, which uh, brings us to our predictions, Sam, how do you think this game's going to play out? And what's your predicted final score for, for this matchup against the Colts on Sunday? Yeah. So I think for some of the reasons we just mentioned the the offense will find success. I think we'll score 31 points. I think Russell Wilson will feel relatively comfortable in the first game of the season DK, Tyler Lockett, DS Gridge will make things happen in the passing game. I'm not as convinced that a run game is going to get established week one. I know that's something Seahawks teams have struggled with ever since beast mode left is really getting in a rhythm in that run game. I think Carson will make some things happen, but I do think that the majority of our success will be through the air. Um, and then on the Colts side of things, you know, I just, I'm not sold on the Seahawks defense, particularly the defensive backfield. I think the Colts are going to score some points. I'm nervous. Jonathan Taylor's a hell of a running back. I think there's some plays out there for their offense to make through the air as well. So I'm going Hawks 31 Colts 20. I think they'll, they'll score two touchdowns and two field goals. And I think for the majority of the game, the Seahawks will feel in control and nurse a one to two score lead and, and come away with the win feeling pretty good about 
week one and get ready for the Tennessee Titans in week two at home. That's going to be a rough one, but yeah. looking forward to that, but God take care of the Colts first. Uh, what are you, what's your prediction? Well, we know Sam not to overlook our first opponent of the year and <laughs> skip to week two. Uh, yeah. so, too soon, too soon, way too soon. Um, I see, I see the game going very similar to the way that you did. And I know that's a really boring answer, but I think it's going to be nip and tuck kind of most of the way. I think it's going to be within a one score game for most of the game and probably be frustrating because I think every, I feel like every time we play the Colts, it just, it seems like we, we play well, but we aren't up that much if we are even up and sometimes we lose. (laughs) So uh, I think it'll be kind of a frustratingly close game that it feels like we should be winning by more. Um, Like you said, kind of maybe feel like we're in control, but it's only like a three or four point game. I do think that uh, the Colts do connect on a couple explosives and probably one of our corners fucks up a coverage and they get a long touchdown at some point. Um, Yeah. I could see Pittman making something happen just with his. Yeah physical abilities uh size and speed combination is going to be a tough matchup for our corners yeah he's he's primed to honestly have a i think he's going to have a breakout year a bit for, depends for on the offense. quarterback a little bit sure well i mean given the he's going to get a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities with ty out for a while yeah. too so i thought it was true. really good he was a good player at usc and i think i think he, his game translates pretty well to the nfl anyway back to my prediction um I have a pretty similar scoreline. I think that the you had said that the Colts will score 20 points. I have them scoring 24. So instead of two touchdowns, two field goals, I have three touchdowns and a field goal. Um, and then I think the Hawks put up 28 points. So they, they win a narrow one here. But, you know, a, a win on the road is always a good thing in the NFL, especially, um, you know, it's first game back too. like there's yep. going to be fans that are fired up in Indianapolis um it's a morning game morning game Time difference that's early it is early we've honestly that stat is way overplayed Pete Carroll's teams have actually done really well in 10 a.m games over the last like two or three years especially um so I I'm not as bothered by that we saw I mean honestly our best game of the year probably was that first game against Atlanta last year yeah and that was a 10 a.m game to start start the year too i i could see this game shaping up pretty similar to that one but maybe being just a little bit closer because i i question the corners this year a little bit more than i did last year um so yeah that's kind of how I'm, I'm seeing that play out i i really hope that the corners aren't the downfall of this this team just because i think this this team is talented and it's talented enough that they should be making a deep playoff run yeah i think they have the offensive coordinator to get them there obviously this this is me crowning him before he's even called a play in a regular season game. And we've seen how that goes in the past, but um, yeah, for all you Vegas insiders out there, you're to hear first that I think Shane Waldron is going to be a really good offensive coordinator. So you can probably pick the Seahawks to miss the playoffs this year. <laughs> oh man. That's how we're feeling right now. Can you hear it in our voices that the huskies yeah. just lost a fucking montana <laughs> yeah jesus oh yeah that happened that happened oh yeah um I, I keep wanting to slap myself out of that dude i feel like it's a nightmare and nightmare i can't wake up from though yeah it's pretty bad 
but hopefully we have better things to talk about in the future. And it all starts this weekend. Uh, obviously, big game with Michigan for the the dogs on Saturday and Ann Arbor, uh, despite what was anticipated to be possibly two top 25 teams going up against each other. It is not that. Nope. <laughs> but we still have a primetime slot. It's at 430 on, a, on ABC. Or actually, no, I think it's on it's at 5 now. I think it got moved back a little bit. I believe it's 5 p.m. on ABC. Um, so that's a big one. And then the Hawks turn around right in the morning on Sunday and get your get your breakfast and your coffee brewing in the morning and watch some Hawks in your in your sweats. I love 10 a.m. games, dude. I absolutely love 10 a.m. games. Yeah, I'm all the about best. them. So you you get your coffee, you get your breakfast, maybe a little Bailey's in the coffee. Oh, yeah. Just chilling. Maybe a Bloody Mary, if like if it's like mid season. I feel like I get the Bloody Mary mixed out like mid season or so, and then you get the rest of your day after that. And if you want to watch more football, you can, but you can also go do other activities at that point. So I'm I'm excited for that. All right, anything else you wanted to cover tonight, Sam? When it comes as it pertains to Hawks, or I mean, if you have any other general Seattle sports takes or announcements we can Not do that really. now too i've kind of just buried my head in the sand a little bit <laughs> the last day and a half so yeah Not the mariners are still the mariners are still kind of in the wild card hunt they got absolutely destroyed by the astros tonight in typical fashion when they get within three games of this wild card race and have a chance to move within two games of the boston red sox they just get absolutely trounced so Kind of par for the course there, but nonetheless, they're still they're still technically in it. Um, Hanging so, in there. Yeah. So, I mean, if Husky football is not doing it for you, you do have a baseball team you can watch every once in a while if you want to. I wouldn't trust them to make the playoffs, but end of the season should be at least entertaining. So, um, and then yeah, when Justin gets back on here, we should have some Sounders talk, Sounders uh, soccer to talk about too. I think he you say he's back what the seventeenth or something like that. Yeah, I'm not, Is I'm that not right? totally sure. I can't remember. I think it's sometime next week. Anyway, once Justin's back, we'll we'll touch on some Sounders topics as well. Um, and then we got Kraken like in a month. Yeah, <laughs> it's coming up quick. It's sneaking up really quick. We're going to have preseason games up here in Everett uh, in like three weeks. So yeah, that'll be awesome. I don't think I'll make it out there, but it's cool to it's cool that they're doing that. All right. Well, we do have a football weekend to look forward to. I know it's been a very rough start to this football season, but it, it, could, it could only get better, right? I don't think it'd get worse. Well, I'm not just not going to say anything. Not, not this weekend. I don't know, man. <laughs> you got two football teams playing on the road. Like, if they both lose, it's bad, but... Yeah, I mean, we don't play Montana again, but we sure as hell could lose to Arkansas state the week after next. Correct. That's why I said this weekend. Yeah. Arkansas state's better than Montana. I think too, that's going to be, that. that's not a, that's not Tony, a, we're not, no, 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 we're not even going there on this one. Okay. We'll get there. Save that for a podcast where I've been drinking. Let's beat Michigan. Okay. And let's beat the Colts. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. Until next time. Go Hawks. And I guess go dogs.
<laughs> Damn, dude. All right. See ya. <laughs>